Indonesia takes an interesting approach to fighting the coronavirus. And then we take a look at a story of a werewolf that's stalking the streets of a town in Mexico. Is there really a creature of the night howling off in the distance? And if so, is it possible it was created by drug cartels? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. It's hot. It's hot in here and there's a storm coming. Last night was a big windstorm in Hood River. Really loud. I left the windows open and I just sat there and was goofing off on the computer reading. And oh man, the elements, the elements just really kind of fly through the gorge. Big storm coming though. I look out my window. I can kind of feel like I'm in prison. I can kind of like crane my head just a bit to look off into the distance. Big storms coming. So we'll see what tonight brings. Let's give a shout out to one of our legacy Patreons. Let's go ahead and give a shout out to Scott Stewart. Scott, thank you so much for supporting the show all this time. Really, really means a lot. Really, really helps. Really, really appreciate it. So you're going to be flying us around. You're going to be our pilot, captain, whatever vehicle we use. You're going to be in charge of that. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine too, guys. I totally understand. You can help just by spreading the word about the show, giving the show a good review, all sorts of stuff you can use to support the show. And I appreciate all the assistance I get from you guys. I really, really do. So, Scott, thank you so much for your support. We're giving you... You're going to be the captain today on the Dead Rabbit Dreadnought. It's a brand new vehicle, actually. It's a massive warship. Dinky little rowboat, we'll save that for, you know, swimming across lakes. I guess we don't need to swim, we'd be in a boat. But anyways, Dead Rabbit Dreadnoughts are massive warship. It's one of those ones with all the oars and stuff like that. We have a bunch of Greek fire. I'm just like cooking marshmallows over it. (laughs) The chemicals make it taste so much better. We're sailing from the United States. We're headed all the way to Indonesia. And there we're going to see a little village, right? We park the boat, and then we all, like, hop out. That's how boats work, right? You just, like, bring them right up to the beach. We hop out. We walk into Kepa Village. It's on Java Island in Indonesia. And everyone's kind of hanging out in their houses because it's quarantine time, right? You know that, right? You're like, no, what? I didn't know that. You're jogging down the street listening to this podcast on your headphones. You're like, oh, I was wondering why my town was super empty. Wondering why it looked like a zombie movie. Yes, we're in quarantine for the most part. Not everywhere, but. They're doing quarantine in Indonesia right now. How do you keep people inside? There's a couple different ways you can like... I think the weirdest thing going on right now is you can get arrested for violating quarantine. But if you're currently in jail, they're letting you go so you don't get coronavirus in jail. That's a weird... I think that's one of the weird things about this whole virus thing. And I guess in Florida, they let a guy go and a day later he murders somebody. There's going to be a lot, I think when we look back on this thing, there's going to be a lot of overreactions. I mean, obviously murdering a guy is an overreaction, but the idea of like letting people out of jail and then arresting people who go to church is just going to be a weird, that'll be one of those things that people kind of look back and go, what were we thinking? But we're panicked right now, right? Speaking of panic, the government of Indonesia decided this. Let's keep people inside by scaring them, which actually it seems to work for pretty much everywhere else, right? You're scared to catch this thing yourself or you're scared to give it to one of your loved ones. And that's why we're all kind of obeying the quarantine for now. They decide to go the route. Let's dress people up 
as pokongs. And you're like, what's a pokong? Let me tell you. Whoa, dude, don't 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 interrupt me, bro. Turn you into a pokong? No, I'm just joking. Put my arm around you. Like I'm just messing with you. Give a little nookie. A pokong is a trapped spirit of the dead. It's in Indonesian belief systems, Indonesian mythology, however you want to put it. They have a thing called a pokong. It's a spirit of the dead, basically a wraith, someone who's been trapped on Earth. A ghost, a tortured ghost. So anyways, people were dress up as pokongs, and basically it's it's just they have white sheets wrapped around them. It's not this super ornate costume. They're not like, they don't look like Power Ranger monsters or anything like that. They're just a dude with a white sheet wrapped around them. They'd walk down the street, and the idea was that you would either, one, think these were actual phantasms, and you would stay in your house to stay away from the ghosts. That's terrifying, right? One thing for your government to say, this disease can hurt you and your loved ones. It's another thing to say, the dead have risen. They're coming after you. The other idea is that um, it's just to remind you that death is outside. That's also quite terrifying. The government was saying basically not necessarily trying to trick people into believing there was paranormal activity going on outside. But just as a reminder, just like a cigarette, when you buy a packet of cigarettes in other countries, they'll have pictures of like cancerous mouths and stuff like that to really put the shock in your system. This might happen to you. It backfired, if you can believe that, because what would happen was people would see the ghosts and they would leave their houses. They'd be like, hey, let's go see the ghost. Come on, kids. Hey, Grandma, hey, let me get your oxygen tank. Yeah, hold on to that. We'll put you in the wheelchair. It's wheelchairs kicking up a bunch of disgusting dust. Hey. Everyone was hopping out of their house to see the ghost. It became a sightseeing thing. Eventually, though, people in town wised up. I guess, like, when the first article hit, they're like, the people in town, this is encouraging them to go out and they're basically playing Pokemon Go. But there's just people in ghosts walking around and they're like, hey, got you. And they're like, let go of me. I'm, I'm already infected with the disease. Now, the people, if maybe they've just gotten, the, I was reading an article recently and they said nowadays the people see them and they go, yeah, yeah, let's stay indoors. Could also be that they just got bored because how many times could you see it? Uh, that's a good question. How many times could you see a ghost before you started getting bored of them? And you could say, Jason, never. If every time you walked home, there was a hot ghost chick sitting in your favorite chair, and then she disappeared. First time, it's going to terrify you. Second time, you're going to be, like, curious, and you're going to start setting up, like, cameras and EVP and stuff like that. By the 1,573rd time, before you put your key in your lock, you're going to be like, <sighs> and you walk in the door, and she's just sitting there, and then she disappears. The smell of sulfur, once again, fills your apartment. You, It would get boring. How many times... Do you have to see a squirrel? Never mind. I love seeing squirrels all the time. <laughs> I, I can never get bored of seeing a squirrel. So maybe I never get bored of seeing a ghost. What's interesting is that, and this is the reason why I wanted to cover this. This totally grosses me out. This is apparently working, but in some regions in Indonesia, they wear the, there's like mounted police. They do this in India too, and they wear helmets that have the image of the coronavirus on them. They look like characters from a 1990s Nickelodeon cartoon. For whatever reason, these things are like green and red and they're super cartoony and they're made out of like plaster of Paris. Or maybe just paper mache, I don't know. But it's like you see a cop on a horse and they're wearing this massive neon green hand-painted homemade model of the coronavirus. You know what grosses me out about that? We, as a society, I haven't done it and you may not have done it, but I'd say the media has done it. They've created the image of the coronavirus. Have you guys all seen what this looks like, right? 
And you're like, Jason, that's science, right? Like, are you going to deny the fact that this is... No, no, I'm... <laughs> lay off. Dude, you're getting real, real touchy today, bro. I'm just trying to put out a podcast. No, I just get you in the headlock again. I just mess with you. Give you a little tummy rub. The idea is this, that... I get it. It exists, and this is a 3D model, but, like, if you go to a website, you go to YouTube, does it, and you watch anything that mentions the coronavirus, they'll have a little coronavirus info bar and then a picture of the virus. You go to major news sites, it'll be like, coronavirus update, a picture of the virus. The picture is everywhere of what this virus supposedly looks like. We've, create, it's a, we've created a meme of it. It's, it's a computer-generated image. It's not an actual photograph of it. If you showed us a photograph of it, it'd be this really grainy gray. I mean, it's not a photo, like a microscopic, be a really grainy gray thing. We've turned it into a symbol. Symbols have power in the human mind. And I hate that we've made this a symbol because it gives it more power. It gi- I can, I, I, just by being my age, just by being 43 years old and living through things like this before. I didn't live through the Spanish flu, but I've lived through things like this before. I'm going to make a couple predictions. Dead Rabbit Radio is going to predict these things. One. At least one. This probably has already happened. And this is a minor prediction. At least one heavy metal group, death metal group or whatever, will name themselves Coronavirus and have their CD, if they still even make CDs, or their cover art to basically be a stylized coronavirus. That's not even a prediction. That's just something that's probably happening right now. Two, this is going to become a fetish. I'm not talking about Corona Chan. I'm not talking about drawing a hot Asian girl and giving her little Corona adornments on her dresses. There are going to be young people now who are in the developmental stage that in their 20s and 30s are going to want to bang this image. Again, not as a LARP, not ironically, not as something funny to post online. There is going to be, in a generation of men and women, you're going to see 1-2% to of them have a sexual attraction to the virus itself. I 100% predict that. We will see that in our lifetime in the next 15 to 20 years, there will be people saying, well, I deserve equal rights just because I want to bang a disease that killed, you know, a million people or whatever the end result is. I, I, I imagine it's going to be fairly low in the end, but that is going to, that's going to be out there. There are going to be people who actually are sexually attracted to the image of the virus itself. I believe as well that this image will play into a future iteration of the Illuminati theory. This will play, this will, this image will somehow be turned into like a a image of a death cult. Real or imagined. There may actually be right now a cult of like death worshippers or dark magic practitioners or whatever that are already worshipping this symbol. Again, I'm not talking about Corona Chan. That's an ironic attempt to kind of like meme this thing. Oh yeah, look at that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about serious adherence of dark arts, either currently worshiping a stylized version of that, and I think going forward, some major conspiracy theorists, be it uh, David Icke or uh, Alex Jones, might Alex Jones, Alex Jones. Uh, my, here's my prediction: Alex Jones is probably going to retire in the next five years. I think he's going to realize it's just not worth the trouble, or he'll he'll do a course correction on his thing, but. 
we'll see someone basically say like if you if the coronavirus symbol it, if you look at it clockwise or whatever it has 13 spikes and it represents the 13 families it'll the image because it's getting you you can't go a day if you go online to any news site youtube does it too you will see this image constantly 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 to the point that some people, let's say in the past past month, if you're not a religious person, you may have seen this symbol more often than you've seen a cross, you've seen a menorah, than you've seen the crescent moon. This easily could become a fixture in the subconscious of humanity. And I don't like that, because symbols are so powerful. Symbols are so powerful. So, you know, and it's funny, now that I think about it, I don't really have any crosses. I, I myself am a Christian. I don't have any crosses in my house or in my on my jewelry or anything like that. I do have one on my ring, but I don't wear it all the time because I'm trapped inside. So I've definitely seen the corona symbol more often than I'm seeing any sort of religious iconography. And, and that's my religious iconography. And again, talking about the Star of David, talking about the crescent moon of uh, the Muslim faith. All of this stuff. It's, we've created a symbol out of it. That's funny. This segment became a little more serious than I thought it was going to be, but we've created a symbol out of a disease. And I don't think that's good for the psyche. I don't think that's good for the metaphysical well-being of humanity. I don't think it's good for just our psyche in general. I think it turns... Do you know what the Spanish flu looks like? Do you know what Ebola looks like? I know what Ebola looks like because I've seen images of it when, with the whole Ebola chan. When the internet was like, hey, let's make... It's the same thing. They turned trying to turn Ebola into this sexy female thing. So I get it, it's like a little worm. But even that, and microscopic thing, but even that was nowhere near as popularized as the image of the coronavirus. And it, it, it's damaging. I believe it's damaging. You're taking a thing that people are terrified of, rightly so, because it, right now, I think now we know more about it than we did just a month ago. But now we know that it can be defeated very easily with soap and water. We know the risk factors and what to look out for, how not to catch it. We know these things now. We didn't know these things in February. It was interesting. I was watching a press conference with Andrew Cuomo. Very telling how little he, he I don't think he meant to reveal this. Sorry, this is becoming more coronavirus centric than I expected it to be, but very telling interview with Andrew Cuomo. He's a governor of New York. He said I'm paraphrasing here, but again, I don't think that he understood what he was saying, the impact of it. And it, no one really commented on this. He goes, When this all started, we didn't know. We didn't know how you could get this. We he goes, I feel better now. I feel safer now because I know. If I wash my hands and I practice social distancing, I'm not going to get it. He goes, but in the beginning, we didn't know. For all we knew, you could be in your house and it came underneath your door. For all we knew, everyone was going to get it no matter what. And that's creepy because we didn't know. China wasn't giving us accurate information, really. Italy was too overrun to do a lot of testing. like do, not, not testing, but to do a lot of studies on it, right? They're just trying to stabilize their nation. So when it came here, and again, I believe it was here in November, December, and I think it was just passing as pneumonia deaths. But as it really, as we really put it under a microscope, in the high levels of the government, they probably thought, we don't know how this is spread. For all we know, this could be 100% airborne. It could be within 50 feet. Of, if one person coughs, 10 people are going to get it. There's no protect. And he said, he goes, we didn't know. That's creepy. 
Now we know that you can defeat it very easily. Now we know that it looks like the death rate's actually going to be extremely low. People talk about reinfection rates, but most likely that's bad tests. Most likely it's people who pass a test and then they fail a test and it turns out that the first test was a false negative. That's really what it looks like. But anyways, we shouldn't symbolize it. We shouldn't symbolize it. And I apologize, actually. I try to avoid, I'm trying to avoid covering a lot of coronavirus stuff because we're getting inundated with it. But I thought it was an interesting story. Apologize that it took so long, though. Let's go ahead, and I hope you found it interesting as well. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Our next story. Now, our next story, this is going to be a long episode. Our next story is an interesting one. I came across it, just kind of going through the internet. There's a website called, it was kind of a paranormally type website. It's called The Daily Grail. This was written by a journalist named uh, Red Pill Junkie. Actually, most of this information I got from three particular sources. Daily Grail. I got a report from KRON4.com, and I got a report from Nature.com. And the reason why I want to shout that out is a lot of times my research takes me to multiple places I just put in the show notes. But this story is pretty much made up of those three places particularly. There's a lot of really good journalism involved in all three of those resources. I really thank you guys for that. Let's ditch the Dead Rabbit Dreadnought, Scott. Let's hop on board the Carpenter Copter, the world-famous Carpenter Copter. We're leaving behind Indonesia, taking off. We're flying over the Pacific Ocean, and we're headed to Mexico. We're specifically going to a place called Ocozocolata de Espanizo. Oh, dude, what? That was actually pretty good. I know my Hispanic listeners are out there are like, dude, he got it on his first try, I think. It's also known as Coita. You're like, Jason, oh, you mispronounced that word, the little word. Coita, apparently, is what it's pronounced. It's a town of 40,000 people. That's a pretty big town, honestly. And I live in a town of 10,000 people, so 40,000 is big. They're having a problem over there. A problem of the, of the lichen kind. So we land our helicopter in Coita. And there people are like, oh, dude, I'm so glad you came here. World famous paranormal investigator. Jason Carpenter, nice to meet you. Thank you so much. They're shaking your hand, too. Oh, I don't know what your name is. You're supposed to say your name there. Oh, yeah, nice to meet you. I heard so much about you. So, anyways, we're walking through the town. Hey, so what's going on? And they're like, dude, you won't believe it. So, we've been having problems with a werewolf. And we're like, oh, interesting. Do you have any proof? Yes, yes. We have Twitter video, and it's in the show notes. Here's the Twitter video. And you hear a wolf howling in the distance. That's that's clue number one that a werewolf may be involved. Do you have any? That could also just be a regular wolf. It could be a nowhere wolf. What? Uh? Looking at you guys in every response. Okay, sorry, tough crap. Anyway, so <laughs> now that we have that joke out of the way, do you have any more evidence? And they do. They have like foot bit giant footprints in the dirt. They have footprints on roofs. Okay, so, I mean, easily faked stuff, right? Photographs of these things, they're just not articles saying, and they found a footprint. There's footprints everywhere. What's interesting is the footprint on the ground, one of the things is, like, when archaeologists and other nerds are doing stuff, they take photos of stuff, they toss quarters on the ground. They're like, no, not on top of that amoeba, squish. They place quarters very nicely on the ground, so you have a sense of scale how big this is there's a close-up photo of a giant paw print or it could just be a medium size or small paw print i don't know how big it is there are photos of what it looks like paw prints on a roof 
but they look fake. And you can look at the photos yourself as well. Now, am I automatically discounting the wolf story? No. It's very, very possible that there is a wolf or a werewolf in this town and one person decides to paint some paw prints on a roof. Or it's possible that I don't know how werewolf prints normally look. So they may look like that. I don't know. The residents in town, though, can't sleep. They're up all night and not in the cool Gilbert Gottfried USA way. No. They're afraid a werewolf is going to eat them to a point where a local priest says, guys, just set a candle and go to sleep, which actually is really bad safety advice. I mean, I'm not trying to be like sacrilegious, but aren't you not supposed to sleep with candles? To be fair, though, the priest may have also said set a candle, then blow it out and go to sleep. I don't know. But the point is, is that the town hasn't burned down yet. There's been no deaths attributed to the werewolf. However, in Red Pill Junkie's article, he did say this was a kind of this is kind of a gross point to put in here. Two children were recently found dead in a well, and I guess David Pallades and his missing 411 theory has something to do with wells or water. I've heard yeah, you know, I've disc I've really I used to really be into missing 411, really first started gaining traction. I lose faith in it constantly. There's actually a really good there's a website called Chaz of the Dead. He did a really good write-up on missing 411. He reviewed the book itself. When people talk about the missing 411 conspiracy theory and it's this idea that the national parks in America have a massive amount of disappearances and the government doesn't want them to keep track of them, and it may or may not be related to Bigfoot or some sort of paranormal activity. The theory is actually more interesting than the books the theory are based on. I really think you guys should read this article. I'll put it in the show notes by Chaz of the Dead. He, he's a paranormal investigator. He kind of covered this in depth, and it, he kind of reinforced what I had already heard as well. The book is is unsourced. It's just a bunch of short stories that may or may not have ever happened. So anyways, though, but Red Pill Junkie brings up the idea that two kids found in water, so therefore werewolf? Like, I didn't really understand that part of it. But anyways, people in town, there's basically three theories as to what this thing could be. One is that people are on edge because the coronavirus is flowing around out there. Everyone's freaking out. And so basically that magically makes wolf print. No, that people are already freaking out, so they hear a wolf in the distance. Make them think of werewolf. All these things are happening. And then the, the prints are getting faked or they're just regular wolf prints. That's theory one. Theory two. Some people believe there's a big national forest. There's a big nearby protected forest reserve. That recently trespassers have been moving in and out and doing all that stuff. And it could be a elemental, a nature elemental coming to wage war against the humans. For infringing on its territory. Eh, I mean possible right. I Actually I think that's kind of the lamest one. Because otherwise the world would be overrun. By nature elementals. We're constantly stomping everywhere. And then there's the most popular theory in town. Is that it's a Nalhal. A Nalhal. That's a shaman who has the ability to shapeshift. And they believe that it's stuck in this wolf form. Apparently it shapeshifts by ripping its flesh off. Leaves it in a nice tidy pile, runs around, does wolf stuff, comes back in, puts its skin on. But if you salt the skin, can't get it back in its skin. Now, we've covered a lot of, like, cryptids and stuff like that. That's probably the most rational weakness. Like, we've covered, there was that horsewoman in Brazil that she tries to kill you because she sees your shiny teeth. So you gotta, like, lay face down so she doesn't see your teeth. Like, what? And then there's the one where I think it might have even been the same one where you have to pee on yourself to get away. 
You're like, why would that have anything to do? That makes sense. If you took your skin off and was running around as a wolf and you're like, oh, I'm tired. Time to put my skin back on. And it was covered in salt. You'd be like, uh, unbearable pain and being a human, but being having salt inside of me or just sticking around as a werewolf, I'll be a werewolf a little bit longer. Like, that actually is a reasonable weapon against something. Nobody, imagine having sand in your shoe. Now, imagine instead of having sand in your shoe, you have sand in your skin and it's everywhere, like inside of you. But I have another conspiracy theory. One thing that was interesting when I was reading this was they said not only are they being kept up by the sounds of the werewolf howling, but gunfire as well. Now, some people have said they've seen this thing straight on and they've watched it. It could jump like nine feet in the air. It's jumping on top of roofs. It's jumping over giant walls. They're shooting at it. The bullets pass right through it. But I did find it weird that at the beginning, and that's fine. That may account for a couple of the gunshots, but I thought it was weird in the beginning how they said, They're hearing the sounds of the wolf and the sounds of gunshots. That's what's keeping everyone up at night. So I'm going to present a theory of my own right now. What if you have drug cartels, organized crime, creating superhumans? Hear me out. Hear me out on this. Let's assume for the first place that these things could biologically exist. Now, the idea of a man turning into a wolf, well, actually, that's an interesting thing because we see a lot of drug cartels, specifically in uh, Mexico, South America, we see a lot of drug cartels that are linked to black magic. Not all of them, not all of them, but there are some that go to black magic practitioners for the ability to be invisible to law enforcement. Technically, you should just ask for the ability to be invisible, period. Because then law enforcement, they're like, oh, where'd those guys go? I can't see them. Oops, time for me to clock out. Click. Oh, there he is right over there, right when I clocked off. And I'm no longer a law enforcement officer. There you are. You see him materialize. But you can find stories, even in other countries too, of warlords and stuff like that, uh, reaching out to black magic practitioners for protection spells. So why not reach out and say, can you build me a werewolf? But that's a little that's a little far-fetched, however possible, right? You could go to some high-level shaman and say, "What really what I'm getting at is this. What drug organization, what organized crime unit would not want a werewolf on their side? Or any of these beasties we talk about. Could you imagine you walk, you go to your local drug dealer, you're going to re-up. You walk in there and there's like a couple dudes just sitting there smoking weed on the porch. Knock on the door. Another person opens the door. That person goes, ah, he's in an apartment. Says what apartment he's in. Then you walk across the apartment complex. You go to that one. And Bigfoot standing, standing inside that one. Mm, Me see you need more drugs. Yeah, yeah, Bigfoot. Come on, man. Can you just tell me what apartment he's in now? He's in this one. Bigfoot's just like a foot long joint. This is just to maintain. (coughs) That would be the best, right? That would be the best to have a cryptid on your site. Imagine if you had drug shipments being run by the Loch Ness Monster. People don't believe he exists, so you wouldn't even bother looking for him. Drug cartels have all the things they need. Okay, maybe it's far-fetched. Let me get back into the realm of things. You, here's the thing. The militaries of the world would love to create superhumans. Everyone wants to create superhumans, but... Militaries of the world, unless you're going real deep black box stuff, are accountable for things. Drug cart- A lot of drug cartels have more money just laying around than 
a lot of governments on the world. Not all of them, but a lot of them. So if someone says, hey, if you give me $50 million, I can create a child that is bulletproof. And then you could hold said child up, bullets would bounce off of you. But eventually the child will grow up and be a bulletproof drug runner. All it's going to cost is, say, $20, $20 million for all this genetic testing. Pablo Escobar had so much money, so much money, he had to spend $10,000 a month just on rubber bands to band it all. And he lost like 10% of it. Over every year, he lost 10% of his cash just due to mice eating it. And he said, oh, okay. Because you have tons and tons. We're talking like high-level cartel, organized crime, mafia stuff. You have tons and tons of cash. And here's the thing. If someone comes to you and says, you know, I can start doing this genetic testing. I can do this stuff. You can have like the black magic person, but you can actually have a scientist say, we can create a race of half-human, half-simians, like Stalin tried doing, but that was back in the 50s. Now we're, And he actually did try doing that. We can do that now. If you're a drug lord and he fails, you can just kill him and get your money back or, or you know, at least get a little bit of vindication for having a wasted $10 million. Best case scenario is you now have an army of mutants. You have an army of enforcers. They have unlimited funds. They just absolutely do. They can afford top scientists. I'm actually surprised that we've never... I'm honestly shocked about this. It makes me think that they don't exist, honestly. That we haven't had a drug organization get a hold of a quote-unquote suitcase nuke. And there's been a lot of debate over whether or not those things actually exist. But could you imagine the impact if a drug cartel just nuked another group of uh, drug dealers? Like out in the middle of this village in South America, a small tactical, very small tactical nuke goes off, clears 15 miles of foliage, everyone's dead. Like, it would send... Now, you could say, well, Jason, they may have those, but they don't want to use... I, 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 There's been debate over whether or not a suitcase nukes, whether or not they actually exist, or it's just Tom Clancy nonsense, but you have, un, you have unlimited funds. I remember reading that book, Monster, the autobiography of an L.A. street gangster. It's a really good book. I'm trying to remember. It was an autobiography this guy wrote in prison, and he was one of the original Crips, and he tells his story. At one point, one of his friends from the Navy gets a experimental flare gun or something like that that he stole and he gave it to Monster. And he used it to shoot someone, light him on fire at a like a L.A. County Fair, something like that. And then when in the 80s, because it takes place in the, it's the beginning of the L.A., like before the Bloods were around, the Crips, and there was all these different... It's a really, really interesting book. It was before the Bloods were around. I think the Bloods showed up at the end of the book. Anyways... He's this big-level drug dealer, and he's buying these weapons. He goes, first, we used to break into people's houses and get uh, revolvers and rifles. And then we got so much money, we started ordering crates of AK-47s. Like, it was no longer... A lot of gun control laws are written because of stuff that happened in the 70s and 80s, where you'd have a gun, your gun would get stolen, and it would be used in a robbery. Then people just started ordering the weapons straight from Russia, or straight from Vietnam, or straight from the Middle East. This L.A. street gangster, this guy, I think he was like 24, 25 at the time, this guy shows up with these crates of AK-47s, and he's like, yeah, sure, here's the cash. And the guy goes, uh, hey, you know, while I'm here, would you like this grenade launcher? The guy looks at me and goes, what am I going to do in L.A. with a grenade launcher? 
But nowadays, I'm sure a lot of people would go, oh, yeah, yeah, totally, dude. How much How much extra for the grenade launcher? Do I get that awesome bandolero? Do I get that awesome, like, strap around my chest like Chewbacca that has, like, grenades in it? Yeah, sure, I'll take two of those. That'll be awesome. The stuff's available. The technology's available. The scientists are available. People who need money, mad scientists, people who need money to fund their work. They could go, I'm going to create this half-human, half-wolf. And America would go, what? That's insane. And they're like, oh, he's onto us. And they have their Black Book project doing that. Goes to Russia, they're doing it. You You go to a crime cartel and say, I can create a soldier for you right now that has the ability to jump nine feet and howl. They're like, what? That's nothing? Oh, but it'll also psychologically scare people so your drug patrols can go through areas and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, that's pretty spooky. That would work. It'd keep people away. Or best case scenario, not best case scenario for humanity, but for the cartel, we can create a monster that when you're in the middle of one of these wars, one of these drug wars between you and another cartel, and you're shooting it out, all of a sudden out of nowhere, some lithe, furry creature just kind of sprints out of your ranks and then jumps in the air and lands on a rival cartel member and begins ripping them to pieces. And then just the shock of that will give you the upper hand. Everything like that. So you, I, I think it's possible. I think it's possible. Again, for it to be possible, we have to accept that any of this can actually happen. That you can just create superhumans and you can do genetic engineering and you can fuse man and beast and all this stuff. None of that stuff is proven by science at all. Right. We Stalin did try making women bang gorillas. It didn't work. It might have actually. It's funny because he probably could have went the other way and had dudes bang monkeys. And it'd probably be a lot less, like, violent, but it probably still wouldn't work. It wouldn't be less violent for the monkey. But you know what I mean? Like, having a woman getting banged... I don't have to go into details. The point is, is that it didn't work. It didn't work. And as far as we know, it doesn't work. We've done experiments with uh, men and um, hamsters, though. Humans and hamsters. And it does look like that might work. So it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. A shaman creating a spell and having, like, a magical creature jump up and start, you know, running drugs for you. That's uh, far more far-fetched. We don't see any proof of that. But, again, there could uh, you could have 99 shamans out there that are frauds that are just ripping off the cartel. And then you have one real one out there who actually knows what they're doing. But this story isn't all speculation. Because, of course, I, what happened was I read this story about the werewolf. And then I popped in my mind and go... That would be interesting if the cartels were actually working on that. Cartels do actually... This is one. This is where I got the article from Nature.com and the one from K-Ron. The cartels are actually having a big impact on the world of science. This is weird. It, it kind of makes sense. It's just kind of sad overall. The Large Millimeter Telescope. It's in Puebla State in Mexico. It's been abandoned. It's a giant telescope that's used to study supernovas the creation of the cosmos, they've had to shut it down. Because cartels are, they they diversify stuff. It's not all drugs. They're doing tons of uh, fuel theft, fuel smuggling. There's a massive fuel pipeline that goes by this volcano that's in the middle of nowhere, which is why they built this observatory in the middle of nowhere, no light pollution. Cartels are showing up, breaking into the pipeline, stealing the fuel. One of the workers at the telescope got carjacked near the work site, and the government shut it down. It's just not safe. You're in the middle of nowhere. you got these cartels running around. There was a group of scientists studying an endangered parrot called like a militant macaw. 
Which, if that's not the name of a rapper right now, it should be. Militant McCall. Or Eminem, maybe? Militant McCall. But anyways, the scientists were studying Militant McCalls out in the middle of nowhere. Cartels are like, hey, we need to move stuff through that area, but there's a bunch of, like, people watching. People with binoculars in the bushes, looking up at trees. It's, even though, what are we supposed to, this isn't a Scooby-Doo cartoon, we can't do, 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 like, sneak around behind them. So they started sending death threats to the scientists. Get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. It was ended. The study was ended, so people can't study these parrots anymore. You had agricultural scientists working with indigenous people in Mexico, showing them how to make their crops better, treatment of the soil, stuff like that, trying to help give them a better life. Um, one of them, the mili- th- this one was kind of the reverse. The military showed up and began harassing them, thinking they were cartel members. And one of the people almost got dragged off to prison. So they were like, we're done. Like, that's scary too, right? <laughs> that's That's... Now, that's scary too, right? You don't want to get falsely accused and just kind of disappear into the justice system. So that stopped as well. It's having a real effect on scientific exploration in the country of Mexico. And that's not even the most tragic part. Now, like I said, a lot of these drug cartels, it's all about bottom line. So morals are secondary to them getting their profits. Tijuana, Mexico, there's two journalists. There's Manuel Alea and uh, photographer Jobeth Terriquez. They did this investigation. Finding homeless people just dead in the street. Heroin overdose. Heroin overdose because there was fentanyl mixed in with the heroin. And that's pretty popular nowadays. What happens is they'll take the fentanyl and make the fentanyl cheaper to produce. And it makes the already existing heroin far more powerful. So they're addicted to your particular brand. Very dangerous. I found this out recently because I was going to that subreddit for opiates. I guess this is a problem. People are pressing their own pills like Xanax or um, pain pills, hydrocodone or whatever. They're pressing these pills. And they'll use a little bit of actual Vicodin dust, whatever the actual stuff is, oxy stuff. And then put fentanyl in it. And so this stuff, it's imprecise. You just have a bunch of powder there. And you kind of like mix it up. You put some of the real stuff in and then some of the fentanyl stuff in. And you mix it up. And then you're pressing these pills. You may end up getting a pill of pure fentanyl. Which will kill you. Or you may get a pill that has more of the Vicodin stuff in it. And it was interesting because I was on that subreddit for the opiates. And the one guy was talking about, I got these pills and they're pressed. So homemade. And I'm going to crush them up and snort them. And someone goes, that's how people die. I guess that might, I guess um, that's how Lil Peep died. He was a rapper. They did with Xanax, though. They'll press Xanax bars with fentanyl in them. And you don't, you may break it up in just the right way that you get a, a line of just pure fentanyl. Kill you. It's absolutely nuts that people are even chancing that but and and they hope that it has a little bit of fentanyl in it cuz it's stronger but anyways they're finding these dead homeless people in Tijuana overdose heroin and fentanyl and they're also laboratories on the Tijuana River and inside like the nooks and crannies of the river where they're making fentanyl and they're producing this stuff and the going theory that the journalists put forward is that what happens is if the batch is too strong, it'll kill you. 
And you don't want your customers to die. But you don't want to make it too weak either. Because then they'll just buy from another dealer. So what the cartel is doing, again, allegedly, and this is being put forth by this journalist, is that they're making batches of this and then giving it out to free to the homeless people to test it. And they keep track. This guy got batch number 105. Here you go, sir. Enjoy. This guy got batch 106. Here you go, sir. Enjoy. This guy got batch. And so the next day when they come back through, guy who took 105. Oh, yeah, man, it was so good, dude. I haven't been that high in so long. Oh, it felt so good. 106. Dead. Okay, reformulate. 106. Go on to the next guy. They're basically running lab experiments on homeless drug users in Tijuana. So they may not be creating beasts of the netherworld. They may not be creating genetic super soldiers. But organized crime is having an impact on the world of science. Whether it's shutting down observatories, running out agricultural specialists, or any other examples of the cartel interfering with research work. That is definitely happening. But they're also running human tests to see if they can turn their deadly product a little less deadly for maximum profit. Sometimes the real monster isn't the one you hear in the darkness that's unseen. Sometimes the real monster is the one holding out a little baggie with a smile on his face saying, here, this will make the pain go away. And then waiting to see what really happens. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Mm-hmm.